Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. How are we doing? Let's pray, eh? Father, we are so appreciative of your word. God, we thank you that it's, uh, it's rich and deep, it's broad and wide, and it has so much to offer us. And God, we want to lean into your word again just in these, in these moments, and obviously beyond that in our lives. But, but Father, we pray that through this series, through this time, through these next few weeks as we explore this book of Nehemiah and the wisdom that comes with it, God, that you would unlock something within our own hearts and lives. As Matt said, let us have open hearts to what you may be wanting to do in and through us. So God, we pray, come speak in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hey, so Grand Designs. Uh, anyone seen the TV program, Grand Designs? I must admit, uh, you know, I can't put up false pretenses. I have not watched the program at all, except for doing some research for this. Uh, <laughs> and so this week I, uh, I, I watched uh, one of the episodes, which was this build of this incredible home in the Chatham Islands. Uh, and so they, if you haven't seen the program, like me, uh, you know, they follow this process, you know, the design, uh, the build, the, the unexpected or expected sort of challenges that they come across, and then obviously this, this epic result of um, this build that they do in this place in Chatham Islands was, you know, in- incredible. Now, not nearly on the same sort of scale uh, or grandness or impressiveness, uh, our family did some renos. Uh, <laughs> last year for us was a bit of a, uh, a renos year. Uh, so we sort of followed the trend of lots of people. We sliced up our garage uh, to uh, create some extra space. Um, you know, this, these things have a habit of snowballing, right? So uh, we converted a wardrobe into a bathroom. Uh, we did a bunch of painting, thanks to some very wonderful friends. Um, we, you know... We redid our kitchen, uh, which was very much, you know, just, they, they get added to, right? Anyone ever done some, some renos or been part of a building project, you know? <laughs> they can have a nice result at the end, right? But the, uh, the journey along the way is not always that pretty, uh, quite messy, quite challenging, uh, but ho- obviously hopefully worth it in the, in the long run. This, this series that we're embarking on, uh, that we're beginning, we're beginning the journey today, you know, is not obviously about this physical rebuilding process, although we'll follow the story of Jerusalem's walls being rebuilt under the leadership of Nehemiah. But it's more about those areas within our own hearts and lives that may need some rebuild, that may need some renos. Even within our own community, you know, our own faith community, you know, there's lots of great um, health and uh, bubbling life and all of that. Uh, but we can easily look around and see some areas where there's some rebuilds, some renos, just continuing to be needed to be invested into and done within, within our journey. And so we want to we look at this, this incredible book, the wisdom that comes out of Nehemiah and all that, and all that he can uh, sort of add into, into, our, into our journeys. But I wonder if I could just sort of push the, 
the person a little bit more. I really want to get you thinking. Thinking about the areas within your own hearts and lives that might need some rebuild. Has anyone ever faced some areas in their lives that needed some renos? <laughs> you know? Okay, three hands. <laughs> ever faced some challenges with your kids, your marriage, your relationships, your business, your personal world? Any areas of unbelief, complacency, pride? Uh, any challenges that you've come across with insecurity or um, grief that you've faced that you need to get God's healing in? Have you, have you ever, ever faced any situations where you've, 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 you've faced discouragement and you've felt that wedge of disillusionment start to sort of force its way just quietly and slowly in, into your life? Has anyone faced any areas? <laughs> Thank you. And are you keen to find out from Nehemiah what we might be able to learn about those areas in our lives, both for the individual but also for us as a community of people? So I'm going to start in Nehemiah 1, but before we get there, right, probably helpful just to give a little bit of context, okay? What is, it, what, what is, this, what is this book of Nehemiah all about and, and where is it set, okay? So Nehemiah. Um, they, can, uh, they can actually get really accurate on the timing of when the book of Nehemiah is. So we're talking 445 BC, Old Testament, before the life of Christ, 445 BC. So about two and a half thousand years ago, or a little bit more than that, uh, ago from us. And previous to that, 140 years before the book of Nehemiah, you have Jerusalem being taken over in the fall as a result of the Babylonians. Right, the fall, they, they, it gets um, destroyed. Uh, the people of Jerusalem get forced into exile. They they they're forced out of the city, and the Babylonians do that very strategically and on purpose to try and dis, you know distribute the culture so that it dissipates and dies. So they force the Israelites out, force the Jewish people out. And then what happens about, uh, what are we at, 50 years later after that, you have the Persians take over from the Babylonians. Now, the Persia, under the Persian kingdom, there's a little bit more warmth uh, towards people being you know, able to uphold their culture. And so what happens after the Persians come into power is that within a year of that, you get the first remnants begin to come back into Jerusalem. The first exiles begin to return. In the book of Ezra, which is the book before Nehemiah, which they say is, they're, they're relatively cohesive on their, you know, their, their belief that Ezra and Nehemiah is sort of written as one piece. And so, you know, it's, it, it is following this journey. So in the book of Ezra, what you see is the rebuilding of the temple within Jerusalem. So it's kind of like this, this first step of the rebuild of the, of the city of Jerusalem. What happens after that is that you get the second wave of people beginning to return back into the city of Jerusalem. The book of Nehemiah starts 
with a conversation about how it's going for that second wave of people. So those people who have begun to move back into the city, Nehemiah, we're going to find out. He's, he's asking, how, how is that going for, for them? And throughout the book, you get this sense of sort of the, the second phase of the rebuild of the city. And even as we've been thinking about this book, this series, and where we're at as a community, it sort of feels a little bit like that. Like I say, there's lots of bubbling health, there's great stuff that's, that's going on, but it's that, it's that next step, it's that, it's that next phase of the rebuild. Make sense? Okay. Nehemiah himself, right, he's cupbearer to the king, gets to try the wine first, just to make sure it's not poisoned. So it could be a good job, you know, or not. <laughs> um, um, but uh, but, but cupbearer actually is a really high position. Within the scheme of things, he's trusted. Uh, he's, he's in close proximity to the king of Persia, to the king. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a high position within, within the community. He has influence. All right. So chapter one, Nehemiah. You ready? Right. Nehemiah 1, verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hekeliah, in the month of Kislev, so between November and December, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. So questioning the situation, how's it going? They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. So the, the temple may be rebuilt, but, but the city's a mess. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. You know, Nehemiah, he's clearly impacted by the news of the state that Jerusalem was in. The walls are important. Uh, they're, they're protection. They're keeping the wanted in and the unwanted out. But it's also the statement of identity and security that, that the people within the, the city would have that is a, a, clear, a clear boundary and marking of, of identifying this is the place in which I live. So he is impacted by it because he knows that it, it it doesn't, it doesn't reflect in the way that he wants it to reflect what's really going on within the city. And coming out of this, of this time of prayer and fasting, it records this, this beautifully honest prayer that Nehemiah prays. Um, I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to read the, kind of the first bit and the last bit of it, but it's, it's awesome. He says, Lord... The God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. He then goes on to repent for his own sins and for the sins of the people. Uh, he, he, he reminds God of the promises that God has made to bring this remnant back into, uh, into Jerusalem. 
then, then he finishes that prayer in verse 11 by saying, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. He's, he's praying for favor as he goes to approach the king. I was cupbearer to the king. It's, it, that, that next little line within, the, I was cupbearer to the it's kind of like a throw-off statement, you know, just a, a comment. A, it's a big deal, you know, but anyway. He's praying for this, this right moment to be able to talk to the king and for a, a favorable response from the king. He knows, he knows what's on the line when he needs to talk to the king. Then in chapter 2, we read about him being given the opportunity to speak to the king. So in the month of Nisan, which apparently is sort of April, May, so about four months later, so he's been praying, fasting, you know, through this time. In the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? <laughs> it's a great clarifying question, isn't it? <laughs> what is it you want? I'm trying to ask that question to my one and a half year old. <laughs> the response isn't always that clear. <laughs> But I love how Nehemiah responds in this moment. You can kind of imagine this, this interchange, this moment that he's having this conversation with the king. And I, and I love how he sneaks in a little prayer before he answers. Ever been in one of those conversations? You know, when they, when they ask you something big, you know, oh, Lord, I really need your wisdom on this. Just help me to, help me to answer appropriately. Help me to, you know, sort of honor you in the, in the, in the process of it. He just he sneaks in a little prayer, under, perhaps under his breath, maybe in his heart, I don't know. Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah, where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. The king then does respond favorably. He he sends him on his way. He, he gives him uh, these letters uh, of recommendation and, and approval so that the other areas, provinces that he's got to travel through on his way, people know that he's, you know, he's, doing, he's doing good stuff, uh, nothing untoward. Then in, in verse 8, And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. You know, he recognizes the hand of God that's on him, but yet it's not all plain sailing. <laughs> you know, we get, this, we get this little glimpse in the following little verses uh, where there is some challenge that comes up. Uh, you know, 
It happens in grand design, the program. It happens in any reno project that you, that you undertake, right? But so is true in our own lives. Hey, you know, when we, when, we look to, when we look to do some renos in our heart, when we try and start a new habit, when we, when we try and make some, some, forward, uh, some forward ground, so often we can have that, that challenge that comes kind of back, back in our faces. For Nehemiah, it was the, the powers that be in other places that were not so keen on him rebuilding those walls of Jerusalem. And throughout the later chapters, it kind of plays out that it gets more and more serious as they go. But we can come across those challenges. Even just changing a habit can be a challenge, but also we can come across spiritual opposition. As we, as we look to bring in these next steps, these renovations that we sense God is doing in our hearts and lives, we can, we can, we can get some pushback on it. But Nehemiah takes some trusted people, he goes to Jerusalem to explore the, the real state of the walls. And while he's, he's there, he has a really good look around by himself. And then eventually in verse 17 of chapter 2, he speaks to the people that he traveled with. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And we will no longer be in disgrace. He, he lets others in. He asks for help. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Next week, you're going to have to come back to find out what happens next. <laughs> All right? But, but we thought that this would be just a good little pause moment to focus us in on today. Up until this point of starting the journey, let the journey begin. So they began this good work. There's such gold. Such gold within Nehemiah, you know, throughout the book uh, and even in these, uh, in these opening couple of chapters, there's great leadership principles on how Nehemiah it goes about leading really well, but just great principles in general of how to approach those areas of kind of rebuild that we want to be uh, doing within our lives. So what I thought that we could uh, do this morning is just, I just want to highlight a few that sort of stand out in these first couple of chapters of his approach to this this concept of being able to rebuild. Sound helpful? Okay, good. Uh, that's what we're doing anyway, so, you know. <laughs> All right, one of the things that I love about Nehemiah is that he keeps a soft heart. He keeps a soft heart, which is so much easier said than done, isn't it? You know? Uh, you know, Kerry was just sharing with us this, this, this moment uh, where he, he heard a concern and he responded because of his own soft heart. You know, being, being prepared to sort of see the need around us, the, the cause, the concerns, the, the situations around us that we could step into, that we could come and bring something to. Nehemiah himself, you know, he's in this position of influence. He, he actually could have quite easily, and we wouldn't have even read about it, but he could have quite easily sort of turned around, look, 
you know, I've got responsibility here. I'm, uh, I've kind of, I'm being looked after. I've, I've got influence. I'm happy. That problem's actually over there. I know that it's sort of related to me in some way, but it's a bit distant and that's sort of out of sight, out of mind, you know. He could have responded that way. We can respond that way, can't we? <laughs> and, and look, I know that we are bombarded, at least externally, if not internally as well, with, with causes and situations and stuff that we could, uh, that we could do. And, and of course, we can't respond to every need that we come across within our lives, but we can respond to some. We can't respond to every area of brokenness that we see within our, lo- our own lives at once. But we can respond to some. We can be open to grow, to mature. We never get to a point of being so mature that we never need to respond to another need. Right? We never get to the point where we no longer need to grow in our faith. We're never that mature. <laughs> he keeps a soft heart. After they brought this report to him in verse, in verse 4, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? When we fast forward into the New Testament and we look at what Jesus did for us, taking this place of, of you know, like with Nehemiah, who's in a, in a high um, status, so to speak, Jesus chose to lower himself so that we could benefit from it, right? Uh, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 tells us that though he was rich for our sake, he became poor so that through his poverty we might become rich. I think that might be a bit of a model of things that we could do. Hey, we could look at the influence that we have in our own lives and look at how we might be able to use it for good. What might God be trying to get you to have a soft heart towards? In your life at the moment. Which area of your life do you see as having some gaps or some need of some renos to be done? Keep a soft heart. Fight for it. Ask for God's help in it. Process things through as you need. Do what you need to do in order to maintain a soft heart towards others and towards growing in your faith. Thank you, Nehemiah. I think we learn also from Nehemiah that he just prays on his prayers. <laughs> We read this beautiful prayer from Nehemiah that's very honest, but actually all through the book of Nehemiah, we see these prayers uh, that Nehemiah prays. He has a pattern of starting with prayer, of turning towards God when he you know, comes across these different situations. 
Now keep in mind that Nehemiah is serving the king of Persia. So yes, the king of Persia did allow the, the, the temple eventually to be rebuilt in Jerusalem, but the king of Persia was also responsible for stopping the work in Jerusalem. So we read in the book of Ezra that he, he, he stopped it. There was work being done, the city was being rebuilt, but the reason why the wall is still in disgrace is because the king of Persia stopped the work being done. Nehemiah is talking to that king. He's praying about that king, yet he is not putting any blame on that king. He's taking responsibility for himself. He's, he's repenting of his own sin and for the people's sin. He's not, he's not praying, God, get him. <laughs> he's not blame shifting. He's taking responsibility, even within his prayers. Man, what a good thing for us to learn. When we find those areas of need of some renos in our lives, Lord, help me. Just honest prayers. Lord, help me to, I don't know, be more patient. Help, help me not to respond in anger. Help me to, help me to be generous. Help. I mean, these are just my prayers. So <laughs> just help me, Lord. And of course, honest prayers don't mean lack of faith prayers. You know, we, we can see these honest prayers within Nehemiah, but we can also see faith. You know, he starts that prayer, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God. You know, he is clearly putting his trust and his hope, his, his faith in God. Um, Gary Smith, a biblical scholar, says, Nehemiah's attention was focused on God, the real power that moved the course of history. He knows where that change is going to come from. It may look messy at the moment, but Lord, I trust you. What's an honest prayer that you need to pray this week? What's an honest prayer that you need to pray this week? Not in general, not in theory. This week. Today. Then that next step, he goes and explores reality. You know, he's, he's kept a soft heart, he's, he's prayed, then he goes to explore it, to, to look at what the state of things are actually in. He's hearing this news, but he wants to know for himself. Uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 12 tells us that he goes and explores it. He goes on, on horseback to start with, uh, but then some of the spots are too tight that he has to sort of explore it by foot instead. And then he comes back to tell the people about it. And it's a great picture of us just exploring those areas of rebuild that might need to be in our life. Uh, in the last couple of years, I've been um, spending some time with a spiritual director on a regular basis. And one of the things that I love about him is his very perceptive, uh, challenging, thought-provoking questions uh, that, he ask, he, that he asks me. Uh, you know, so we'll be talking about something and then he'll ask a question along the lines of, okay, so Stanley, how much, how much truth do you think there is in what you've just been talking about? Oh, that's a good question. Or, 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 or what, do you think, what do you think that God's perspective on that might be? Just exploring questions. Or, or you, you mentioned something a moment ago. Do you mind if we sort of spend some time exploring that? Man, in our kind of clickbait, you know, fast, fast track world, it, it, it's hard to stop 
and, and just explore stuff, to reflect, to ask those, those, those thought-provoking questions, right? It was so funny. Uh, Matt was getting us to take communion uh, together earlier on, just, you know, go back to our seats and have some quiet reflection. <laughs> any, of the, any of the parents with the young, young kids were, you know, I've got... Um, Someone stealing juice and, you know, someone else wanting, wanting another piece of bread. And I was like, oh, this, this quiet moment of reflection. Yeah, it's lovely, it's lovely, it's lovely. <laughs> but, you know, finding those places in your life where you can actually just stop and pause and reflect, explore. I love good questions. <laughs> Ask others for input. Find good resources. Take time to... Practically stop, reflect, get counseling, find the help, explore. What is God inviting you to explore? There's a question with each of these, by the way. (laughs) What is God wanting you to explore? Keep a soft heart, pray honest prayers, explore reality. And finally, start. So they began this good work. Start. Pick up the phone, get some help, book the meeting, replace the bad habit with a good one, put it in the calendar, whatever it looks like. (laughs) Start. There's so much more that we could talk about within, within DMI, but I, I, I think it's a good, a good place for us to, uh, to pause. You know, the reality is that if, as individuals, as a community of people, if we live this sort of life, you know, just continuing to grow and be open to be molded and changed, it's, a, it's such a beautiful thing. You know, we just, we just approach life with... I, I, a great way, you know? <laughs> Trying to search for the right word. It's a beautiful, attractive thing. Thanks so much for joining us for today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you are keen to find out a little bit more about us as a church Fano, or you'd like to touch base, then you can go to coast.org.nz and there you'll find information about our in-person services, online services, various resources and activities. Enjoy the day. Be blessed.